Leo 62-1991 and tax brackets all on today's Fednababble. This is Fednababble, where Kevin and Cassie make federal retirement benefits understandable for humans like you. These two don't hold back as they answer questions from the FedPilot workshops and webinars or from questions submitted by you at fednababble.com. Hi guys, welcome to today's Fednababble. I'm Cassie Knight and we are here to answer some of your questions that have come in from Kevin's workshops and from the advisors that are on our team. Yep, and I'm Kevin Jones, and we get a ton of questions that we don't get enough time to go in-depth with, and we get to do that here. So we're going to do that with you right now. Here's the first question. Does COLA not start until 62 for SP as well? What's SP, Cassie? What's the COLA, Kevin? Oh, really? <laughs> Throw it back at me. <laughs> I guess since that does come first in the sentence, we should talk about COLA. You know, okay, so here, here's one thing I'll say about COLA. I think most people understand COLA, cost of living adjustment. Um, I, I've heard over and over again, people say, well, as an employee, we get a COLA, a cost of living adjustment. And that's not true. No, no, actually, no, you don't. But it, it, it functions similar. And I think that's why people get it confused, right? A Cost of living adjustment increases their salary as they are uh, an employee, but that's actually not what does it. COLA is something different. And, and so that doesn't happen while you're employed. COLA is when you are, happens when you are retired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it increases your pension. A pay raise increases your salary. There you go. Right. So I think that's the, the biggest difference that people need to understand is that a pay raise increases your salary while you're an employee. The COLA is something that automatically happens when you are retired and it is to your pension. Well, not to the special retirement supplement or any of the other benefits. It's just for the pension. Well, you said automatically happens. It automatically happens when it happens. Not that it always happens. <laughs> if there is an increase or if there is a possible investment, I should say, it, then yeah. it automatically happens. Right. Um, if you've retired in the middle of the year, though, just know that you're not going to get the full COLA for the next year, right? Like it, it's based on how many months that you it's have prorated. been retired. Um, yeah. You know, so if you've only been retired for six months, you're going to get half of the COLA, half the cost so- of the adjustment. This this uh this question points to the fact that FERS employees do not get a COLA until they're 62, but that is regular FERS employees. So if, re- if a regular FERS right. employee doesn't retire or retires at, let's say, uh, minimum retirement age of 56, for example, mm-hmm. they're not going to get a COLA for basically six years, five, six years there. But right. if they are special provision, which is law enforcement, air traffic controller, mm-hmm. firefighter, if you retire at 50 years old, you're going to start getting a COLA the very next year. So yep. right They away. automatically get COLA, or I should say they get COLAs immediately as opposed to having to wait till age 62 to begin receiving those COLAs. Right. So that's the great thing about um, being a special provision of the special provisions employee, not only do you get the higher uh, pension factor in the computation of your pension, 
but you also get the cost of living adjustments automatically um, as opposed to regular FERS employees or most FERS employees where you have to wait till age 62 to begin receiving those cost of living adjustments. Yep, that's just the way it works, whether we yep. like it or not. <laughs> Okay, how do you buy back time for temporary employee status years between 1991 and 1993? Cassie, the answer is? I have props for this. Yes, you do. Can you see it in the? Yeah, look at that. This is, now Cassie, you have to explain this prop here. You have to explain. I gotta keep this stuff together, guys. Right? This is complicated. This is not easy to remember all the little darn rules that are floating out there. Not at all. And temporary service. So let me let me hop back a little bit. Temporary service is non-deduction service or a service for when an employee does not make contributions to FERS or SERS. Okay, that's the Federal Employee Retirement System or the Civil Service Retirement System. So the prop that I just showed was for FERS. And essentially, if you've had any non-deduction service after January 1st of 1989, you're not eligible to buy back that time, period. Um, they don't give you the option to, and that's just how they changed the law back then. Um, but if you had any service prior to that, you can. But essentially, if you've had temporary service or non-deduction service after January 1st of 1989, then you're, you get, um, you get leave accrual for it, right? So your yep. leave service computation date on your pay stub will probably show 1991 of whatever month and whatever day that you started. But that doesn't mean that your retirement service computation date will be the same. Right. Good. Your now, retirement computation is, uh, service computation date is the one that helps for eligibility in your pension calculations. And that can be vastly different if you've had non-deduction service. Right. Yeah. Big difference here. Now, and I will say this as well, Cassie. I remember one gentleman, he came up and he said, my temporary time counts. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he talked to me about how his agency, his agency, their version of temporary time was different than another agency's version of temporary time. And most agencies, when you talk about temporary time, you're talking about non-deduction service. In his agency, it wasn't non-deduction service, but they called it temporary time. Now, I don't know whether they officially called it that or is more of a casual thing that everybody just called this temporary time. So we have to be really, really careful and making making sure we're speaking OPMEs and not just what we've heard or, you know, yeah. what our agency says it is because it could be different from agency to agency. Yeah. So I will say this. My husband's a DOD employee, right? When he was first right. hired, he was temporary because he was on a trial basis, right? They had to make sure his background cleared for the federal purposes and do all of this stuff and his badge color was different and whatever than, you know, permanent employees. He was considered temporary, but he was still contributing to FERS. And so I think this happens often with DOD employees because their temporary service isn't technically non-deduction service, right? So we have to make that very clear as well. Yes. If you have just um, 
temporary service where your agent where you're on a, a temporary trial basis with your agency that is not non-deduction non service and that time will count however if you are not contributing to FERS or CSRS which most most employees it'll be FERS now that's why I only showed the FERS um you know sign that I had uh because <laughs> You know, it, CSRS are still eligible for that um, deposit. Right. They can still make that deposit. But FERS employees are cut off if it is true non-deduction service or temporary service where, and this is common for postal employees, mm -hmm. where you they mm -hmm. get hired in, as temporary. They're not yep. contributing to the FERS retirement program, and then they become permanent and then they start contributing to the FERS program. And that's when their time actually starts counting for the retirement purposes. Um, so very different between agencies. Um, and that's why, you know, we always recommend getting a certified summary of service for people yes. who I, yes. you know, get back the the advisor's like, well, they've had temporary time. Okay, well, was it true non-deduction service or was it time where they were just on a temporary basis until things cleared through the government or what have you, um, where they were still contributing? Yep. Right. So very, very different. Um, but essentially, if you weren't contributing to the first program, and that's that's the bottom line, was it non-deduction service or not? Right. And I've, I've heard. So you mentioned post office. I've also heard that same thing, you know. They come, they come for a season and they work and then they're done. I hear that also for IRS. I hear that also for Forest Service. And there are a bunch of other ones that have, you know, seasonal. And there's another great word, right? Seasonal. <laughs> well, what does seasonal mean to your agency? Again, it can be very, very different and Absolutely. very different depending on your position in that agency as well. So we won't get, get into all that, but just to show again how complicated it is which is again another reason why it's important to talk to someone who understands federal benefits who can look at it and pick out oh no i know it says that but that's not how it works it works this way and 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 move on and then again your your awesome report just shows step by step okay this is what this means this is how it gets handled this is how you want it to, how you can take advantage of it love that and if um, essentially the easy way that we can figure out if somebody's had that temporary service is getting a copy of that pay stub from then. And right. you guys can submit that with our advisors and they'll be able to tell you or they'll submit it to me and, and ask and I'll be able to tell you um, whether or not that that temporary service was actually non-deduction service or not. Um, if it was service where you contributed to, then all that time counts. And you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> right. We but like it to be nice and easy. That, you know, we figure out when people or um, when people go to the advisors and they're submitting that information, you know, the uh, more information that you have regarding certain things um, like temporary service and, and those things that can get convoluted, um, you know, send us whatever documentation you can and we'll be able to distill down whether we need to, you know, send in certain forms to get more clarification such as uh, the certified summary or if we're able to tell you, you know, what kind of service and how that how that gets treated um, with your retirement, um, you know, or your pension calculation, then we're doing all of that for them. So 
Uh, feel free to reach out if you don't have somebody who understands the benefits because it can make a difference for sure. Yep, huge difference. Okay, question number three. If I do a Roth conversion while in the 32 to 35% tax bracket, wouldn't it be best to let let it ride to the next generation to the to be taxed at the lower tax brackets? Okay, so basically what this person is saying is if I do a Roth, a Roth conversion, which is taking traditional money, paying taxes on it, and putting it in a Roth account, all right, which you cannot do in a TSP, which we covered in the last uh, episode, but you can't do that in the TSP, but you do that in a in a, an IRA, for example. So you take your traditional money, put it into a Roth, but you pay the taxes in the middle. Why would they do that if they're in a 32 to 35% tax bracket? Why wouldn't they just leave the Roth money alone or the traditional money and then give it to, you know, let that pass on to their, to their kids when it gets, well, passed on, if it can be passed to their kids. Oh, that's a good question right there. Can it be even passed to their kids, Cassie? Well, first I want to just have a little disclaimer here, okay? We are not tax professionals, and we nope. are not here to tell you what you should or should not do tax-wise to your financial portfolio, period. Okay? We are not licensed or legally able to give any sort of tax advice. All right? So right. I just want to throw that out there before we get into this question. We can kind of go over a little bit of what considerations to think about and different strategies that may pertain may be good to you or may not um but really you need to talk to a tax professional before you to really look at the numbers before we can well we can't even answer this question but before you can have this question answered for yourself right i just want to make that clear thank you before we get into this yes (laughs) um so uh, essentially, uh, sorry, what was your question, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Forget it. We're done. No, let's. No, <laughs> no this really, I mean, really, they're basically what they're saying is wouldn't it be better for me to take the money that's going to be taxed at a higher rate? If it's going to be taxed at a higher rate for me, I just take the money that will be taxed at a lower rate and pass on the stuff that will be taxed at a higher rate so I can give it to my kids and then it's going to be taxed at a lower rate for them. Now, see, right, and that's the thing. And, and I want to say this question is so incredibly complicated. And honestly, I don't know that we can do it justice on this episode yeah. because it is really, really, really complicated. There are so many things. And I think to really answer this, we'd have to go into each bit of this and explain, okay, this is what this is and this is how this does. And this is the effect that it has it, it it's massive. It's a massive question. I think that really something like this needs to be projected out, right? Yes. Because I don't know how much you're going to pay, even though you're in a 32 to 35% tax bracket. I don't know anything about the income, about how much you're trying to take, what that looks like, right? So I don't know any of the details here. So I can't tell you how much tax you're going to pay, Right. right. Second off, what is it? How far is your next generation? Right. 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, there's a big difference between all of that. Essentially, I think, though, that people need to understand taxes always increase. 
So if you could pay tax on that money now and leave it to your kids, would that be a better scenario? Hmm. Hmm. Right? What is that projected tax uh, bracket going to be? Do you think that they're going, why do you think that they're going to be in a lot lower tax bracket? Right. What and if this, they're not? What if yeah, they're this almost, this almost assumes that this person knows when they're going to die and what station that their family would be. Okay, but maybe it won't be passed on to their children. Maybe this person is married and, and the TSP is passed on to the spouse. And then do we know when your spouse is going to pass away? I, you're right. But I think I think the big thing, big thing about this question is that they're thinking about the right things. They're asking yeah. the questions that need to be asked. And I love this yeah. in-depth question just for that fact. Yes. Whoever submitted this, kudos to them because they are thinking about the ripple effect of yeah. how that's going to affect their benefits. Um, you know, what they're looking at the different options that they may have for this particular situation. And that's fantastic. Right, because yep. this is what you should be doing. Unfortunately, we simply can't answer it in the detail that I think right. uh, this person's looking for, which is, you know, not awesome. But I really do want to encourage them just to um, take a look at it. Right, go to a tax uh, go to a tax professional or financial planner who is able to take a look at the numbers and do those projections for you. Um, yes. You know, we can give you where you're at right now, or if you're retiring in five years, what that estimated TSP balance will be and all of that. So that way they can do the projections from there on out, because this is something that really does need to be looked at. And um, kudos to them for thinking about that, though. So that's really Absolutely. good. Absolutely, I love it. And that's, again, if uh, anyone were to go to fedandbabble.com and sign up, that's that's the report they get. That's the kind of questions they can ask. And mm -hmm. again, it's no cost, no obligation, no sales pitch. And and it's just, it's beautiful because they get your report, Cassie, but they get to ask these kind of questions that are just solid. Love that. So yeah. yes, you're and right. Kudos to them. In our trusted network, they give you that advice. They're able to tell you yes. all of these different um, pieces of the puzzle to fit it together to where you're making those goals um, or, you know, exceeding them, um, but you're able to, to make those plans, whether it's a tax strategization plan, whether it's, um, you know, a, a financial plan, if you're just looking at, you know, the income side of it or what have you, um, they do full service. They're not just looking at your TSP. They're not just looking at your at your benefits, you know, your life insurance or what have you. They're looking at all of these different pieces of the puzzle and they'll be able to best answer those questions. So yeah. please like, share, comment, uh, go to fendobabble.com, get the report. Um, so that way we can get you in touch with somebody who's able to really dial in those numbers for you. Yeah. And I think most importantly, as, as Cassie, as you say, go act on what you learned. Go do yes. something about it. Go do it. Thanks for joining us and have a fabulous time. Until next time. To get Cassie's comprehensive report on your federal retirement benefits at no cost, no obligation, and no sales pitch, go to fednababble.com. While you're there, submit a question for them to answer on the show.